On today's broadcast of Graceful Truth, our teacher and pastor Steve Converse returns us to the book of Haggai. Join us for another look at God's amazing grace, bringing down God's blessing. From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth. Welcome to today's broadcast with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. We're back into Haggai again today, looking at chapter 2, verses 10 through 19, in a message simply entitled, Bringing God's Blessing Down. So just exactly what is it we're looking for when we want God's blessing? And how does it come about? How do we bring God's blessing down? Well, we can find a good formula for that here in Haggai chapter 2. Please join us for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Here's Pastor Steve Converse. But today we want to look at bringing God's blessing down. And remember, this is the third message of Haggai. He preaches four messages, and this is the third one. It's in verses 10 to 19. Last week, we looked at the idea of having a backward look, and we saw that in verses 1 to 2. And we saw the importance of looking back, and in their case, they were looking back at God's old temple. But we also said that we don't want to get stuck in that mode. We don't want to just always be remembering the good old times and, you know, oh, wow, it's not the same today, and, and just sit there and whine about it. That's not what God wants us to do. We need that backward look, to look back, and you think of the people that built this church, that laid down the foundation for this church. I mean, you've got to look back to see all that, and we're eternally thankful for their foresight in doing all that and being used of God back during that time. It's important also to kind of move forward from there. Uh, the second thing we saw in verses 4 to 5 was he pointed out to them that they needed an upward look. They needed to look up to God's presence and also to God's promises. That God was going to bless them. And it was an encouraging message last week. He wanted them to know that he was dealing with their, their, their hearts. And he really wanted to encourage their hearts. Remember the first message dealt with their hands. Why are you just building your own houses? And the, the, my house, the Lord says, it lies there in ruins. And so he kind of had to deal with their priorities. Today's message deals with their heads. And then we also saw the last thing was the forward look, looking forward to seeing God's prophecies and to see how God actually fulfills all these things. Well, today in chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 10 through 19. And you can just follow along in your Bibles as I read our text today, verses 10 to 19. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? And the priest answered and said, no. Verse 13, then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? And the priest answered and says, it does become unclean. Then Haggai the prophet answered and said, So it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so with every good work of their hands. And what they offer there is unclean. 
Now then, consider from this day onward. Before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were but twenty. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. This is his third message to these people. You remember, these folks just came out of the land of Babylon. They were in captivity for some 70 years. And now they're back in their homeland, and because King Cyrus gave them permission to begin to build the temple, when they got back, they started building their temple. And they laid down the foundation, and they began to work on some of the altar things. And, and then the book of Ezra tells us that because they wouldn't allow the Samaritans, who were kind of half-breeds, to help them with building this temple, the Samaritans got ticked off, and they went to the king, and they started saying all manner of evil against the, the Jews at the time. And they sent a letter to the king to try to stop them from doing God's work. And so they were discouraged from doing God's work, like we can be <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Do you ever get discouraged from doing God's work? Because of things that come in, that come across the path from day to day. You remember that for 16 years, that work of God, the temple just laid there. The foundation was there and the weeds grew up and they didn't do anything. The work of God was hindered because the saints, Israel, was discouraged. They were discouraged. But we also learned that through the disobedience, and we saw that in the book of Habakkuk, we looked at there and in a couple different places, and the disobedience of the children of God, what happened basically, and what was promised later in the book of Deuteronomy, was that the heavens, it says, would become brass and the earth would become dust. And what that means is God has a pattern. God has a way that he works with his children, even those within the world system. He has a pattern of working with them. The pattern's very simple. When they do not walk in obedience to him or with him, he brings famine and he brings drought. That's what happens. You see that throughout the Bible over and over and over again. That's a story that's found in the word of God, right from Genesis all the way through Revelation. When his people are disobedient, there's famine and there's drought. There's a lack of water. You can go without a lot of things. You can't go without water. You just can't. And what God is saying to all the world, but especially to his people, to those, in this case, Israel, that when there's a lack of water, the reason that there is no water is he's trying to give you a spiritual lesson. He's trying to reveal something to you spiritually. When there's a lack of water in your life, when there's a lack of the living water of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, there's going to be famine. There's going to be drought. And so as these people, we look at them now at the point they're at in this little book. We've gone through some of their history. You understand a little bit more about them. And they receive this third message from the prophet. And we see here that they're in the midst 
of famine and drought. Now you remember back in chapter 1, it's just a small little book, you can turn back to verse 14, and you see there it says that the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, and governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. So through the prophet Haggai, what happened was their spirits were stirred. They heard the word of God, and it kind of stirred their heart. God's spirit did that work. He blew that breath of fresh freshness into their soul. He brought them out of the depths of their despair, and they realized that they needed to consider their ways before God. That's what he tells them to do. So what did they do? Well, we've looked at this right away. What do they do? They, they get the bricks out. They get the mortar out. In the cement, and they start to begin, again, building the temple of God. And you say, well, that's good. I think sometimes, beloved, sometimes we need to just take a little bit of a pause. Just a pause. And we need to be able to discern and pray and ask God, what exactly do you want us to do? See, they thought it was simple. Yeah, you just go slap these bricks together and, hey, you know, that'll bring down God's blessing. So they cleared away all the weeds of the foundation. They began to put brick upon brick and they began to work together. Probably a little bit of excitement there after 16 years of this foundation just sitting there and they they heard the message and they got all the stuff out and they're ready to go. But they had done all that. (laughs) And as they're doing it, they're kind of looking around. They think in their mind they're obeying God. They're doing what the messenger told them to do, build the temple. But as they looked around and they looked into the clouds and they looked into the fields... What's going on? There's still a drought. There's still famine. There's no water. And as they're working, they're probably thinking, wait a minute. I thought when we did this, we're obeying God. That should bring God's blessing. Why was it that God didn't seem to be answering their obedience? See, they expected at the moment that they obeyed God after 16 years, they heard the message of the prophet, and they thought, you know what, he's right, we need to get back to God's work. They, you know, get the mortar, and they start mixing up, and they're just going at it. And they look around, and they're going, wait a minute. (laughs) There's still a drought. There's still famine. It doesn't seem like God is blessing this work, but we're being obedient to what God called us to do. We started afresh the work that God told us to do. And they thought immediately that would bring God's blessing. God somehow, as soon as they started slapping those bricks together, rain would start falling and the, 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 the crops would start growing and boy, everything would just be hokey-dokey. But it didn't come. It didn't happen that way. The blessing wasn't coming from God. I don't know where you're at this morning. You might be in the deepest of agony in your own heart. Maybe your life is just shambles. Maybe it's overwhelming. Maybe your circumstances are bigger than you. Maybe you have a a deep pain in your heart that only your heart knows about. Maybe you're going through some turmoil, some stress, some issues at work, in family, marriage, kids, whatever it might be, mentally, physically, spiritually. And you feel that at this moment in time right now that you're looking at your life and you've done everything that you know to do before God within your soul and you're looking at God and you're going, why are you answering me? Why do I feel the same way? Why isn't your hand of blessing upon my life? Turn over a page to the right in your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3. It's a little book after Haggai. And remember, Haggai, 
Zechariah and Malachi, they're all prophesying about the same thing, about the same situation. They all are called post-exilic prophets. That means, we looked at this, a pre-exilic prophets were the prophets that talked to the people from God before their captivity, before they went into captivity. And then the exilic prophets were those who spoke to the people while they were in captivity. And now we come to the post-exilic prophets. In other words, God released them from their captivity. They're back in their homeland. And then he appointed certain prophets to address the people. And so that's what these three prophets are. And so Zechariah and Haggai and Malachi, they all deal with the same situation. They're all post-exilic prophets. And in Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, He's talking to the same people that Haggai's talking to. Just so you know. Same generation. And look at what it says. In verse 1 it says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest. He's having a vision. And it says, Standing before the angel of the Lord. And look at who's there. And Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem. Rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken away, I have taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with the pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. Pretty simple vision. You have Joshua. Now this is Joshua the high priest of the nation of Israel. And so you see this, what this prophet sees from a vision from God. Joshua is standing there and Satan, our arch enemy, is standing beside him. And I think Satan's kind of laughing at the whole situation. Because from head to foot, Joshua is standing in filthy clothes. In other words, he's defiled. He's unholy. You stop and you ask the question, why had the rain stopped? Why was there no harvest? Why was there no blessing on these people? I mean, the Bible said back in the little book of Haggai that they were stirred to the depths of their soul, that surely God was speaking to them through his spirit. They had the word of God from a prophet of God who brought the message of God. They had everything, you would think. But (laughs) the blessing still wasn't coming down from God. Why is that? I think because... Sin lies at the door. What do you mean by that? What are you talking about? See, Zechariah, as he saw Joshua from head to toe in filthy garments, that's a picture of the nation's sin. That's exactly what it pictures. They were so sinful, even though they had been stirred to the depths by God's word. Their bones were shaken by God, by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 1, it says they were still disobedient to God. They still had sin in their life. And one month before Haggai gave this message that we read here this morning. Zechariah prophesied the same thing against them. Exact same thing. So Haggai's out there with his, his messages just kind of going out one after the other. And again and again he's giving out the message. And his third message here in verse 10 on the 24th day of the ninth month, December 18th, 520 B.C., he gives a rather hard message to his people. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear someone preaching the Word of God or I hear a message on the radio or whatever it might be, it kind of does something in my heart. It grips my heart. It grips my soul. And like these children here in chapter 1 of Haggai in verse 14, 
it kind of stirs your spirit. You, you kind of tune in. It's kind of, you know, you, God's doing something in your, in your own soul. And sometimes it motivates you to do something. And you feel you ought to be doing something. The message is speaking something to your heart. And you're thinking, you know, this is the message from God to me. And I need to deal with this. Or I need to do this. Or I need to focus on that. Or whatever it might be. But then I don't know how it is with you. But so many times I walk away from that situation. When I walk away from... God's stirring and God's presence at that point, I can be so disobedient. And yet, on the other hand, I can be so, wow, this is so good. And yet, on the other hand, I can be so disobedient. I mean, isn't that the way it is? I mean, isn't that reality in the Christian life? I mean, maybe we've studied these words. Maybe we've heard what these minor, this minor prophet is saying to these people and our souls and our spirits and our being. We've been stirred in our hearts by God's word. But what Haggai is saying here to these people, what he's saying to them is, you know what? You've heard it. Children of Israel, children of Judah, you've heard it. You've been stirred. You've been moved to the depths of your souls. Yet you're still disobedient. That's why blessing isn't coming. I mean, I don't know about you. Sometimes in my Christian life, I feel kind of like a donkey. You know, you know, you take a donkey and you put a carrot on the end of a stick and you hold it out in front of the that donkey and go walk. For miles. Just trying to get that stupid carrot that it's never going to get. Donkey keeps on walking after it. Now, that's kind of sometimes the way I feel as a Christian. I'm just being kind of transparent here this morning. God, am I ever going to get to the point where I'm not dealing with certain sins in my life? Am I ever going to get to the point where, you know, I just see your total blessing in my life? If I knew, if I really knew that what Paul talks about in the New Testament and what the Lord Jesus Christ really gave us an example of in his life, if I thought it was impossible, if I thought it was pie in the sky, it probably wouldn't bother me as much. But the fact is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is possible. It is possible to live a life like the Apostle Paul or like Christ himself. And everything he has told us to do, beloved, he's given us the resources and the power to do it. We don't serve a God who sits up there in heaven and just kind of makes up stuff for us to do knowing we're never going to be able to do it and then sits back and laughs when we fail. That's not the kind of God we serve. That would be a sick God. But I think what frustrates me the most is how I know what is mine in Christ because I look at it in the Word of God and it tells me what is mine in Christ, what I can have in Him. And yet it frustrates me some points because I don't have it. Well, the people here in the book of Haggai were asking the same question. Why isn't God's blessing coming down? He said, build the temple. That's what we're doing. We're building the temple. There's still drought. There's still famine. You might be here this morning and say, you know what? I hear the word of God. I feel the word of God in my own soul. I know the word of God. But I don't see the blessing of God in my life. As a matter of fact, I feel kind of like I'm a defeated Christian. Like somebody just plucked me with a pin and all the air is just flowing out. When something comes across my path, whether it's a sin or a sorrow or a sickness, whatever it may be, I just fall down because I'm just so defeated. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. I don't know. Only God knows that. But the answer that was given here is a fourfold message of how to bring God's blessing down. That's what Haggai wants to share with these people. Let's look at the first point of Haggai's message in verses 10 to 14. Chapter 2, verses 10 to 14. It says on the 20. Fourth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priest about the law. Now just stop there a second. See, in the Old Testament, you have to understand, whether you had, whenever you had a question about a ceremony or a religious rite or anything like that, 
You just didn't kind of go and research it yourself. What did you do? You would go to the priest. That's who was a representative of God. So you would take your question to the priest. And that's what Haggai is doing here. He had a question. Why is this blessing? what's, What's going on here? And it says that he goes to the priest. And so here's what he does. He goes because he's got a big question. Why God's blessing isn't coming? And so he goes to the priest, the men that should know this answer and he asks them and he says in verse 12 if someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food does it become holy and the priest's answer simply said no pretty straightforward now what Haggai was doing here was God the Holy Spirit is doing for us a similar thing right here he's giving us an object lesson you see Haggai asked two questions concerning the ceremonial law of these priests what happened with the priests is when they were about to make a sacrifice, the priest would take this holy sacrifice, it could be a lamb or whatever, a holy piece of meat that was not defiled by anything, it was, it was considered holy by their law, and he would take this holy piece of flesh from the beast, which is the best part of the, the sacrifice, and that was the part of the sacrifice that would be offered to God on the altar. And it was the piece that was set aside especially for God. But what would happen is the priest would take his robe, he'd wear a robe, and he'd take a little, kind of take a fold of his, his robe, which kind of like a little apron, you might say, and he'd put this piece of meat in this kind of an apron kind of a deal, this holy flesh. And so Haggai was asking the priest, if you were to walk into the tabernacle or into the temple, and perhaps that piece of meat, that holy sacrifice that you have, would touch another piece of bread, or another piece of meat, or maybe a glass of wine or some oil or some kind of food, would that holy meat that you're carrying around in your, in your apron there and it touches something else, would it make that other food holy? That's his question. And the priest gave the answer, no, it wouldn't. Now, it's important to understand because we have to do a little research on understanding what he's saying here. In Leviticus, and you can turn there if you like, Leviticus chapter 6, verse 27, just one verse, the garment that the priest wore and the holy flesh within it actually became holy. That's what the word of God says. It says in verse 27, whatever touches its flesh shall be holy of Leviticus 6. But that didn't mean that everything that came into contact with this holy flesh became holy. It just meant, okay, you know what? This is kind of a a holy place here that this priest is carrying around this holy, holy meat. If it touched other food or if it touched furniture in the temple, did that mean that this holiness was somehow transferred into this from the holy piece of meat into what, whatever was unholy? And the priests say, no, that, it doesn't happen that way. The second question, and this kind of will all work out. The second question that was given by Haggai to the priests is found in verse 13. He then talks not about ritual holiness, but he asks a question about ritual defilement. And so in verse 13, it says, Then Haggai said, If someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? So Haggai's saying, okay, I understand. If I got something holy and it touches something that's not holy, it doesn't make the unholy object holy. Got that. But what if I got something that's unclean and it touches something else? Does that become unclean as well? In other words, can moral uncleanness be transferred and defile something that is holy? If you're unholy, or if something is unholy and it comes into contact with something that is incredibly holy, can it defile that thing? And the answer in verse 13 the priest gave was, yes, it can. It can. 
Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. (music) 